2: Learn more at marines.com.
3: Welcome to Hub City Homers. We are back once again, and now football season is upon us. This is episode 45 of our little podcast, which started way back when, just talking about baseball. And we've now come full circle back to football for our second football season. We are joined by the full team tonight. It's myself, Jack, Kendall, and Reed. Um, it's good to have everybody back right as the season's beginning, and we will be talking about the Texas Tech Red Raider offense first. Next week, we'll be taking on the defense, and then we'll start taking a look at some of the key opponents down the line. But we really wanted to dive into the Tech roster, since that's the roster we know the best, and the one that I think everybody's most interested in. It's great to speculate about opponents, but what really matters at the end of the day is what you can control, which is your own team. So we're going to go in the, the offensive first with the offense uh, see what I did there? Yeah, I'm I'm really bringing it today. Um, we're going to talk quarterback battle, looking at the offensive line, strengths and weaknesses, some of the uncertainty in the receiving core, a very stout running back group, and a tight end group, which could really catch some people off guard this year. We're going to start with the quarterbacks, though, just because I think that you know it's great to leave a lead off the show if you're strongest subject. The quarterback battle is the one where all, at least I am most curious to see how it plays out. It's an air raid system coming in to coach Kitley to some degree. And the quarterback is going to be driving that is going to be the engine that drives it. So whatever decision is made there will be the most important for the offense success. I'm going to open this one up to you guys first with a question of just simple, w- w- let's detach ourselves from the three quarterbacks we're, we're talking about. Baron Morton, Donovan Smith, Tyler Shuck. Let's just talk about quarterbacks in general. We know the system's going to be some form of air raid offense. We know it's going to be some form of, you know, a uh, uh, vertical passing game, lots of spacing, a lot of reads and quick decisions. Um, it's going to be pretty fast. They're going to snap the ball a lot. It's, it's going to depend on a quarterback who can make, Good throws, good reads, and really, you know, run the show. You know, this offense demands a lot of your quarterback. Let's just talk then what kind of quarterback, what traits do you most look at when you're deciding what kind of quarterback do you run do do you want to see run this offense? What's the thing that stands out for you as being the most important with that system? Um, Reed, I'll open with you there first. So just to reiterate the question, when you're talking quarterbacks for the system, what what's the, the trait that you most expect someone to succeed in someone to have to succeed in the system?
0: Yeah, I think there's there's numerous intangibles you gonna Kind of think about uh, when you're looking at a quarterback especially with a guy you know in this kind of a role uh, of quarterback position at tech where that's just kind of kind of a mantra that you're going to be slinging the ball around uh especially with you know zach haley coming back and kind of that air raid uh build that you're kind of kind of accustomed to with tech football the last you know a couple of decades or so um there's a, there's a lot that you can kind of look at uh, in terms of what quarterback needs, especially at of these three guys. But uh, I, th- I think leadership is probably a huge aspect. Obviously, it's kind of um, goes to be said for really any quarterback. But uh, I think a lot of times QB in this kind of system is going to have to do stuff on his own, uh, kind of make stuff on, up on the fly. If you see stuff, you know, different packages from defenses, he needs to be able to make changes quickly. Uh, If he's able to do that, um, you know, I think Shuck's probably the best of the three in that category. Just from what I've seen, uh, he's probably the best in that just simply because he's played more football. Um, You know, I kind of, I wrote an article uh, about the QB battle today and I kind of slightly gave an edge to, to Tyler over Donovan. And I think that's probably primarily why I gave him that edge is just leadership aspect and, you know, what he's done in his past is, shown me he's he's able to run a team at this level of football you know obviously Donovan carried us in a lot of you know two or three games last year where he played really well Uh, but there was also a couple instances where he struggled mightily and trying to move the ball downfield and some of his decision making wasn't great but um you know it's just a total package I think a leader is really what you need to run your offense and kind of be almost like an offense coordinator on the field for you
3: It's a tricky question with the Air Raid because the system gets a bad rap for being a bit gimmicky. And let's ignore for the fact that, you know, the Air Raid quarterbacks have largely succeeded as well or better than most. Uh, You know, you talk about Mahomes ran the Air Raid attack. Kyler Murray ran a version of it at Oklahoma. You know, these pro style offenses are no longer the best Defining characteristic of success in the NFL. So I don't think the system's gimmicky by any degree. In fact, I think it challenges quarterbacks greatly because it challenges the thing that I think is most important with any quarterback. And I I got so tired of saying this last year when Chuck was the you know our starter, and especially during that U of H game. So I'm worried about this, but it's get the damn ball out of your hand. I think the air raid demands that you make decisive reads. You have to be decisive with the ball because a lot of the times we're talking about you know we're we're talking about empty sets and one back sets. That's that's kind of a norm for the air raid. You're not going to see a tremendous amount of two back sets. You will see some. You're not going to see a tremendous amount of, you know, six five down linemen with a tight end with his hand in the ground just to protect. It's, you're not going to see much of these max protection sets. These pass protections are going to give you two, three seconds, maybe four if you got a particularly good offensive line. You have to get through your progression and make your read in a hurry. You know, you can't waffle with it. Like I hated what David Yost did with the screen game, but one of the things about the screen game has always been get the ball out in space to a playmaker as fast as you can and let him make a play. Now, it doesn't work that well because if you're going to, say, run it 100 times, they're going to you know, and never fake over the top, then they're going to just sit on it. But the point of the, the idea of the air raid is similar. Get the ball out in space to guys who you think are better than defensive backs. You know, that's it's the whole philosophy is we're going to attack where they aren't. We're going to put the ball in the hands of our playmaker. That's why so often the air raid checks it down. When you look at Washington State, I actually think maybe half the time Mike Leach was there that the leading receiver was the running back in terms of total receptions. Because, yeah, if your one-two's not there, dump it off to the running back. He's probably going to be open. And that also speaks to this, the, the early thing I mentioned. You don't have a lot of time to make these decisions. You cannot hold the ball and wait for things to develop. If it's not there, take what's there. Too often, Shuck's biggest problem he was terrible against pressure and the reason why was he could not get the ball out of his hand i want the air raid quarterback to be able to make the decisive read you got it yeah you may throw a pick or two it's gonna happen to everybody but it is far worse on you know third and four from the 20 to take a 10 yard sack than maybe put the ball up near somebody else right like You're going to take risks in the system anyways. You're going to be aggressive, we hope. I want to see an air raid quarterback be aggressive. I'm willing to play high risk, high reward on the the incentive that you don't take stupid coverage sacks all the time. More and more in the Big 12, we see teams drop in eight. We see teams playing cloud zone coverage. They're designed to make quarterbacks think. Make your read, get rid of the ball. Jack, I'll go to you now. What's, What's the defining characteristic of an air raid quarterback you want to see?
1: I think it kind of plays off yours, but uh, mine would be poise. Uh, and, and by poise, I don't mean, uh, you know, necessarily getting the ball out too quick, which it is a good thing, like you mentioned. But I at just, as you just mentioned, I would like to see a quarterback back there that has the poise to dump it off to a running back if your option one and option two are not available. I think this was a problem as you mentioned with Tyler Shuck last year in the beginning, especially in that Houston game, I know we were both at it and that's something that I noticed for sure. But in researching the weapons that these three guys have to throw to, uh, you have without a doubt, at least the second best running back tandem in the big 12. And I think you have a receiving core. That's going to really shock a lot of people uh, not just with their athleticism, but with but with their own poise. We'll dive into that later. But for me personally, just a quick quick answer, I would say poise because it's not only the fact that you can dump it off to the running back if one and two aren't open, but it's also it also takes poise to overcome. A missed throw. If someone's open and you miss a throw, don't let it beat you up. It's it's the next play. It's the next play. Keep going. If you throw a pick, move past it. It's the next series. It's the next time you get the ball, be the best version of yourself back there. And for me, at least, that's what I want to see out of whoever wins this battle.
3: Now, we're going to dive into it. Kendall, we're going to open this one up for you, which is just you know the, the answer to the question we all want. Is who's going to be the guy? Let's let's give let's get your answer. Who is going to be the guy? Who do you want to see to be the guy, and why?
2: So to me, I think um, Tyler Shuck probably has a little bit of a a little bit of a lead here because if everyone remembers when he came in from Oregon, he was he was very highly touted as a transfer. Um, he is very talented. I think everyone kind of knows that, and. Uh, to me, when you are comparing just Tyler Shuck and Donovan Smith, um, to me, I think Tyler Shuck does everything that Donovan Smith does, but I think he does multiple things slightly better. And I don't know that I can point at Donovan Smith and find an individual thing that he does better than Shuck. I think there's a lot of things that they are, you know, neck and neck with each other, but I don't necessarily know that Smith is better at much than Shuck. And, you know, Smith, I would like to give an edge because he was so fun to watch last year at the end of the season, especially in that bowl win and that Iowa State game. But there, for every good moment it felt like he had, he also had a lot of rough patches, you know, and the the game that really strikes me, that worries me about Smith will always be that Oklahoma State game last year. You know, uh, just it seemed like he kind of crumbled under pressure, which you know, he kind of overcame that in the Mississippi State game, but also we had, you know, probably the best running attack that we've seen in years in that game. So that when it comes to those two, I think Shuck has the edge. But the question mark to me is um Baron Morton because nobody really knows, you know, how close he is with these guys. Nobody knows if he is really pushing to get that starting spot or if he's just kind of you know, giving those two a little bit of a run. Like we haven't really been hinted at like Joey Maguire hasn't even really like leaned a specific way when he's talked about any of these quarterbacks and Baron Morton, when he was coming into tech, he's one of those guys that I feel like if he doesn't see the field this year, I don't know that we're going to see him play at tech, you know, after this season, because of how talented I think he is. So I think that could play a factor into it too, because everyone kind of knows that, This year for Tech is going to be kind of getting a new identity, and Baron Morton could be the start of that, starting him week one. But right now I'd probably give the edge to Shuck just because, you know, he came to Tech very highly touted, and he had his moments early last year where there was times in the Houston game, you know, he did struggle, but he also looked very good, and that Houston team ended up being a lot better than any of us really knew at the time. And, um, you know, there's also that Stephen F. Austin game where he looked putrid at times. So, um, like I think all three quarterbacks are going to have their flaws, but right now, um, I think the most stable option is probably shuck in this type of offense, but, uh, no matter what I'd feel, I feel fairly confident with any of them behind center, but I just think it'll end up being shuck.
3: i personally am of the opinion that in the end experience is going to win out which means shuck and smith will be the guys that's decided between and i i know there are a lot of people who are very high on baron morton he is the highest quarterback commit um at least to my knowledge in history for tech the flip side of this though is he got very limited playing time and look Oklahoma State's not a fair barometer of anybody's performance that Oklahoma State defense killed a lot of good offenses and Smith got absolutely crushed in that game as well but his only big 12 action major big 12 action was not great and it wasn't good for him it wasn't a true experience gainer to just go up against an offense a defense like that that just completely shut down the offense I think that while everybody is learning a new system It does matter that you've played in the Big 12 before and you've played high major football before. And you've got two guys... When you've got three guys who are all very talented, you're going to go with the guys who have stood in the pocket against Big 12 pass rushes more often than not. Granted, there have been plenty of people who said, you know, the offense just seems to move with Morton in there. So I'm I'm not ruling him out completely, but I think there's a reason why uh, he's considered a bit of an also in this because it it just doesn't seem likely that they're going to go to somebody inexperienced. Here's the thing. I think ultimately Shuck wins this contest. I think they would like to use Smith for a different system. If Zach Kittley wanted to use more RPOs, if he wanted to use more read options, it, Smith is the guy. But based on what McGuire said, where it's like, oh, well, we're figuring out packages for Donovan, that wasn't supposed to be like we're ruling him out of the contest, but it definitely sounds like they're starting to find other ways to use him because he is not going to be the guy. Here's the thing for Borton though, and I know everybody's worried about him transferring out. If Shuck starts at Tech, he will be in the NFL. If he holds the starting job till the end of the year, he will be in the NFL. He is not coming back to Lubbock next year if he has a good season in Lubbock this year. There is a reason why he was one of the highest rated quarterbacks in his class. There's a reason why he was on draft boards coming into Lubbock. If he has a good season, and I mean like a legitimately good season, I, I'm not talking about where Tech wins a bunch of games. I mean in which he has, you know, even if hell, if it's a Patrick Mahomes esque performance where Tech is 5 and 7, but he's great. Offense scoring a bunch of points. He won't be here, which means Martin will be the heir apparent. Smith is the guy that I would most worry about transferring, actually, because I don't think he's good enough to beat out either one of these two guys if we're just wanting to run the air raid. Um, we're going to talk about the Evans line later. I'm not sure that it's a good thing that Kitley will commit to throwing out all over the yard this year, but I think Sheck's going to get this job. And I don't think that it's a bad thing. I know there are people who are concerned about some of the stuff he did last year. I mentioned it. I worry he holds the ball too long. I watched him in the spring game. It looked like he was still doing some of that, but it's just the reality. He has the best arm. He's the most accurate passer. He's the most experienced passer. And, you know, to be honest, he was looking pretty good against Texas until his collarbone broke. That looked like a game in which he could really, you know, kind of, take a step forward as a quarterback against the Longhorn defense. That was very porous. because look, Columbia gashed those guys late in that game. And I think Smith could have kept tech in it or excuse me. Shuck could have tech could have kept tech in it. But you know, that that's my two cents on it. I think I've, I've thought from the beginning that you don't, you're not able to keep Shuck on campus without a little bit of a wink wink nudge nudge that hey, you know, this is your job to lose. I think it was a true open contest. Don't get me wrong. I think if you went out there and stunk it up that it would go to one of these other guys, but you don't keep somebody as talented as shuck on your program after a coaching change without a little bit of a look, dude, like you're gonna be the favorite. You gotta earn it, but if you perform as we know you can, this'll be yours. And I think that ultimately that'll be the decision. Um Reed, I'm gonna go to you with the exact same question, who wins the job and why?
0: Yeah, I kind of covered this in my article, and I'm, you know, kind of on the same side as both of you guys. It, to me, it's kind of a close, closer race than maybe you guys think. Uh, you know, Donovan kind of had Jekyll and Hyde games last year. Uh, that, that Mississippi State game is obviously a good, a good taste to have in your mouth uh, if you're finishing the season up. But uh, if you take a look at the three of them from a you know a natural quarterback standpoint, Donovan's probably the worst of the three. Um, you know, he's only been a quarterback for two or three seasons, maybe. I don't. I think he was a quarterback his senior year in high school, and that was the only time he played uh, quarterback in high school. So he's very new to the position. Uh, he's still got a lot to learn, obviously. Uh, but there's also some really good things he can do with the ball in his hands. So I, I kind of think, regardless if he wins the job or not, I want to see him on the field in those RPO packages when we, uh, you know, when we think we can use him. I think he'll be a huge help in some certain areas to kind of change the pace and give the backs a break maybe. Um, but, you know, I, I think Shuck has some, some leadership qualities like I was talking about earlier. I think he's the best leader of the three. Um, he's got the most, you know, obviously the most experience in this kind of collegiate uh, Division One setting. Uh, he's seen a lot of different teams and a lot of different, uh, you know, very good defensive lines and front sevens against teams in the Pac-12 as well. I, I think he and Morton can both you know get the ball around probably, I don't know if I'd say equally, but both just as well as each other. Um, you know, I, I saw a lot of good stuff from I mean, him last year. I think the one main thing I nitpicked with him, uh, it may have just been his kind of connection with him, but I think he got a little too reliant upon. Uh, Eric has a comment at times. There's kind of some issues where I saw him just going straight at him, whether he was covered or not. And I think that would work kind of where he bumped into problems at. So I think if he goes through his progressions a little bit, maybe not take too long, kind of, you know, get the ball out quick, like y'all are mentioning. I think he's probably your guy. Um, But, you know, I, I would not mind seeing Donovan Smith on the field either, like I said.
3: Jack, I'm going to change the question a little bit because it kind of sounds like we're all at least of the similar mind, which is... Considering everything we know about this offense, while it seems like most of us, and I'm not going to answer for you, but I'm assuming three out of four at least seem to think Shuck will win this job. Is it necessarily the right decision to let Shuck do it? Should we consider the fact that Donovan Smith and Baron Morton are true dual threat quarterbacks? Is that something you'd want to see more? Or are we just comfortable saying, all right, we're an air raid team, embrace the identity. That's going to be probably more Shuck's game.
1: Well, I think it comes down to everything that we've already heard from the coaching staff. If there's one thing that we have heard, it's that Joey McGuire mentioned before camp even started that if Donovan Smith didn't win the job and Shucker Morton did, that if it came down to a first and goal on the two-yard line and I have a 6'5", 230-pound quarterback that can run a four 540 it'd be pretty dumb for him not to put him down on the give him the ball and just let him run behind the guard or a tackle to go score um, I think of regardless who wins this battle I think you're going to see a lot of Donovan Smith in the red zone uh, I, I think that when space gets more confined with this offense as we've mentioned this is an offense that likes to space out and make quick reads and take their shots methodically uh, as they go down the field. I think when your space becomes more restricted, I think you'll see uh, more of Donovan Smith. I know that they have already said that they're not going to switch back and forth a lot, but if it works, I don't know why you wouldn't. Um, We all know Donovan Smith can run the ball. Uh, He can throw. Uh, Like I said, he's had good games where he's thrown the ball well, but he's also had bad games where, or he's had games where he's thrown the ball poorly. Uh, I th- I don't know uh, if you should commit to not putting the best person for the best situation out on the field. Uh, you know, this is also a coaching staff that has said, you know, if, if there's a tackle that can play guard better than another guard, then they're going to slide that tackle. Don't pigeonhole these guys and, uh, you know, confine them to a position. If, there's someone who can play the position better, get him out on the field. So this is a coaching staff that is claimed to be putting the best 11 on the field for every single play. Well, I would be willing to think that there is definitely going to be some situations where the best person to have out on the field is Donovan Smith. And that's not taking anything away from Tyler Shuck or Bear, or Baron Morton. But I definitely think that, Long term, I do think that Shuck's going to win the job. Uh, like, I agree with pretty much everything you said, Mike. I don't think that he stays in a coaching change like this unless uh, there's kind of a, you know, under the table, you're going to be our guy type situation. Also, it could just be the fact that he saw Bailey Zappi's numbers last year or the past couple of years and just said, uh, yeah, I'd like to pad my stats before I go make some money in the NFL. I, I do think that Shuck wins a job, and I think that Shuck will be able to navigate this offense quite well. Uh, but I do think there there's definitely going to be some times where you see Donovan Smith out on the field when it's the best, po- or when it's the best case scenario for him to do that. Uh, like I said, my guess would be when the field shrinks a little bit. Uh, that would be a time where you see him the most.
3: Yeah, I think I think McGuire and kitley have the same thought process as i kind of do with two quarterbacks which is if you've got two cornerbacks you don't have one and now i believe there are package situations to use donovan smith i think that you'd be foolish not to use him in short yardage situations to force teams to respect his size and his speed but ultimately i think you do have to commit to an identity but there is this side of me though that says at the same time isn't the modern college football game going to mobile quarterbacks right like aren't the most successful quarterbacks of the last years guys like josh allen and patrick mahomes who are, don't get me wrong are not blazing fast but they're elusive they're mobile look at baker mayfield is another example of this look at um um really like a. a, a Russell Wilson, you know, now he's a bit quicker, but the point is that these guys aren't necessarily all Lamar Jackson-esque, you know, just incredible 4-2 speed guys, but they're fast, they're quick, they're elusive, they can make moves in space, they're mobile. Um, Adrian Martinez at Kansas State is going to try to do that with with the Wildcats, you know, that's why they went and got him. So I I, I really struggle with this question of what do you do with your identity? Because I'm going to lead us into this next segment, which is about the offensive line. Um, because while I, we could spend a lot more time on the quarterback situation, I do want to move us along. But it does beg the question, if if we're so committed to the air raid that we're going to sacrifice Morton and Smith's God-given speed for Shucks' a bit more indecisive reads, then I think we're doing it wrong. So I hope, I hope in the in the hunt for being an explosive offense, we accept what personnel we've got. If we're going to be an air raid quarterback, then it needs to be, we're going to be a true air raid. We're going to air it out all the yard, have Bailey Zappy s numbers. We're going to try to break his record for touchdowns. We're going to throw the ball 70%, 80% of the game. You know, If we're going to do that, then it needs to be because Shuck is capable of it. Because if he's not, and Smith isn't, and Morton isn't, then fuck it, run the RPO run the zone read, run the pistol because we're going to get to this. The you know, running backs last, but next to the offensive line, I have questions about this offensive line. I, I have concerns about their ability to pass block. You've got a lot of guys who did not necessarily have both. They, they lack both experience and, you know, they lack, and some of these guys that we brought in, um, the cat from USC, you know, these were guys who were not necessarily great at previous stops who are now going to be asked to take on a Big 12 with some really good defensive lines. I'm hoping they all take a step forward. I'm hoping the system helps them. But, Reed, I'm going to go to you here first. You're looking at the offensive line, a lot of inexperience. You little a lot of pieces. Is there something to be said for the fact that this offensive line may just be better equipped to run the ball?
0: Yeah, I'm hoping they're you know better at, at something. I don't know. Uh, this is probably the the group uh, position group on this team that I'm the most concerned about. Uh, I kind of like what you said. I think it's mainly just because of inexperience and a bunch of new faces that we're not used to having uh, line up on that side of the ball in the trenches for us. You know, outside of Caleb Rogers and I believe Weston Wright, I I really couldn't name the other the other three. Starting five on the on the offensive line, uh, and if I'm being honest, I don't really know if if the staff's got a five in place yet that they are comfortable with. Uh, based on what I've seen and kind of what I've what I've heard about him, um, I think it's kind of going to be a revolving door. Unfortunately, in some in some spots, I'm hoping we can uh, find a center. I think that's a really big position. You got to fill some huge shoes with Dawson Deaton leaving uh, for the NFL. I think if you're able to find that spot, you can kind of maneuver around the other two uh, and, and hopefully trying to you know piece something together you know if if they're working better running or passing uh, I I don't think it's an issue to you know shy away of doing that uh, we got two really good running backs and we also got a good gonna have a good quarterback whoever it is and a decent amount of receivers to chunk the ball around too so I'd say whatever they're comfortable with and you know what what they're better at is probably your better option to go with whether we really want to pass the ball or not Uh, As much as we don't need to, it's probably going to hurt us to do something they're not good at. So, um, you know, just to answer that question, I would, whatever they're, they're the best as what we need to kind of go off of.
3: Kendall, I'm going to go to you next with a similar question. Change it just a little bit. Um, Last year's Texas Tech offensive line wasn't, bad in pass protection they also weren't particularly good at it and there were moments against better offense against the better defensive lines in which they really got beaten up which begs the question you know when you look when you were looking at everything that happened last year how much responsibility has to be assigned to the offensive coordinator to protect these guys and how much at some point do we have to just say all right you know we have to be able to block these these guys and if we can't then we're just screwed you know how how much do you do we have to ask Zach kitley to get away from his system and how much of this are we just going to have to live and die with giving up an occasional sack if these guys are not able to take the next step
2: well when you think about it um the big 12 season last year we had some brutal moments with our offensive line. Like namely like the Oklahoma state game, obviously Donovan Smith was murdered and there was times against like Iowa state in the second half last year. And um, the Oklahoma game wasn't pretty either. It was just constant, you know, it wasn't bad consistently, but there were moments last year where our guys, whether we were running the ball or throwing the ball, we were sometimes getting some of our guys killed and, I think the most important thing is to find that balance between Kitley's system, obviously, but also we have to be able to protect our quarterbacks because, um, you know, we saw Shuck go down in the Texas game, and really our season was so up and down from that point. Um, Henry Columbia took a lot of shots too, and he was probably more of a, he liked to kind of get outside the pocket a little more, so sometimes that was on him, but like in general, I think our offensive line actually improved greatly as the season started to go on. But, you know, I think the number one priority this year, especially with this type of system in general, like we need to protect our quarterbacks. Um, Like there was times last year where Donovan Smith had, you know, maybe a second to throw the ball, get rid of it before he was getting absolutely clobbered. And I think that got a lot better by the time the bowl game came around, I thought, you know, our protection both in the run game and the pass game was just phenomenal. And if that's, you know, I think that could have had something to do with kind of the culture shift from the end of the season to that bowl game, because there was a real shift. And I think, you know, this team, I think Joey McGuire has this team ready to be a lot more physical. And I felt last year under Matt Wells that, you know, sometimes our, our offensive line was just scared to hit somebody at times, which you can't have that with your offensive line. And I think that we will see a noticeable difference, even though this offensive line doesn't have as much experience. um, I think all the coaches on offense are going to be able to get this O-line to the point where, you know, they're doing what they need to, to protect our guys back there. And I think coach McGuire has came out and said that there has been some very noticeable, steady improvement you know throughout the offseason and now into camp um he's talked very highly about some of the development that's happened and that the season hasn't even started yet so i think we're gonna see a mix of uh you know kitley is obviously he's gonna do his thing um you know he's had i would say he's had some pretty damn good offensive lines the past couple of years even at smaller schools uh, he's gotten his guys to do what they need to i mean hell when he came into tech at Houston Baptist and, you know, I don't want to talk about that game, but he also made our defensive line look like nothing with, uh, you know, even though we were probably rushing three, most of the game, um, you know, he had his offensive line ready. And I think that's a pretty good Testament to what he could possibly do at tech with some probably better talent than what he had there. So I'm going to, you know, hold out hope that he's going to be able to protect our quarterbacks and get our guys to do you know what they need to do their jobs on the offensive line but overall if it does start to go south um and our guys aren't getting protected I don't want to see I want to see you know some different schemes we might have to break away from kitley season this first year because like you said there isn't as much experience so if it starts going south and we can't make any immediate changes um we are gonna have to break away from probably his system right away until we can really find like that type of solution which we won't know until the season starts what that would be
3: i don't want to be too negative about the offensive line and i don't mean to be but it is the group i have personally the most questions about you know this is i think the receivers are going to be underrated i think the running backs are very very good and ultimately i think kitley is able to balance the quarterback situation and get production from that spot but it well, the quarterback is the most important position in terms of ability in the in this system. If the offensive line can't block, we're in trouble. Um, and I think that they're, they're see this could go either way. I think these guys could really shock some people. I think they could come out much improved. I think they could come out as a unit with a lot of chemistry. I think they could go out with a chip on their shoulder and really have a good year. I don't want to act like there's no talent on the offensive line. These are not players who are completely devoid of talent. These are good players, but they are players with a lot of questions. These are guys who transferred out because they weren't getting enough playing time elsewhere, or these are guys coming from lower classifications, largely. This was a group in which Matt Wells' recruiting strategy is really blowing up for us because he didn't get any high school talent. There was very little in the wings left to develop, so a lot of these guys are transfers. I also think this offensive line will be very good run-blocking. I think you got an offensive line that's big, strong, and can really move people off the ball. Now, this is a question I've gotten in the past from people, which is, why can an offensive line do something seemingly harder, which is move a defense backwards and then struggle to pass protect? And the answer is because, while well, there are a lot of people in all levels who are big and strong and can move people backwards when they know when the snap's coming. It is a whole different thing to have to set back and actually pass block. For those of you who ever played offensive line in high school or did it in college or wherever, even in peewee football can probably attest to this. It's just harder to pass block. It's harder to let somebody come at you, initiate contact when you have to cover a wide area and all they have to do is get by you um, and they've done their job. It is an extremely difficult thing and that's what makes truly great NFL offensive linemen are not just guys who are 6'4", 320, but they're 6'4", 320 and can move their feet. They can, get their, they can get low, they can get, use their hands, they can hold back, you know, these great pass rushers. Like, you know, on Tech's end, it'll be Wilson is the kind of guy offensive lines will be trying to deal with. You know, it, it it's, it's something to be said that if you have an offensive line that can really get downhill and push guys off the ball, and you're averaging five, six a carry, which could happen for Tech, I think you got to lean into it. I hope these guys can pass protect the air raid system as it originally was conceived, did not demand much of the offensive line. For those of you who remember the Mike Leach days, he used to widen out his splits immensely so that there was less pressure on those guys to block for too long. Um, I don't, Kitley doesn't use the same split concept, but the air raid is designed to take some of the pressure off these guys by creating quick reads, um, creating open space for its receivers to get into and get the ball pretty fast. Um, so I, I think that I don't want to pretend that I know the answer to the question of what the offensive line is going to do. This is the group I have the worst feel for. Like Reed mentioned, most of us could not have named any of these guys even a couple of months ago. Um, you know, so it's, I don't want to pretend that you know that's a guarantee. I don't want to be doom and gloom. I'm just saying if this if the offense is going to go wrong, it's going to be because we have an offensive line just not geared to what Kittley wants to do yet. Look what happened to Mississippi State last year. I use Leach as an example because he is the father of the modern air raid. Look what happened when he first got to Mississippi State. The offensive line was completely ill-prepared to run the air raid. And Will Rogers, I thought he was going to die. I mean, I remember I was at a wedding heading to the reception in a bus sitting next to an Aggie grad watching the A&M Mississippi State game as AM broke through the offensive line in about half a second every snap because that offensive line was just not built to do it. Now, I think Kittley's had an opportunity to avoid some of that by going to the transfer portal and getting some guys that he likes. But it is, you know, the biggest thing. There will be off. There is offensive line talent in the wings. There are guys coming in. But McGuire mentioned it when we did recruiting. He said the position group he would have liked to get a bit more help in was the offensive line. You know That was an area he didn't feel like they did necessarily enough in the previous cycle addressing. That's where he felt like they could have done more. So it does point to where everybody's thinking, which is of all the groups, this one has the biggest questions. If, though, they come out with a chip on their shoulder and perform, I think Tech could be a 45-point-a-game offense. And I'm really hoping that these guys really take, you know, kind of the disrespect from the country in stride and just really go out and beat people. Um, Jack, I'm going to transition us now to the running back group because we are about over halfway through the show. We're going to move to the running back group. It's a really good group of running backs. And speaking of the offensive line protecting them, it is a group that has performed admirably whenever asked, despite injuries, despite, you know, systems that aren't necessarily super run friendly um, what are you expecting, or who are you expecting, I should say, to take over kind of the feature back, or will we see one this year? Is it still just gonna be by committee, you know, no true thousand yard rusher?
1: I mean, it's a tough question. And I think the answer really relies on what you mentioned before. I think it I think it depends on if someone gets hurt. This has been these are two guys in Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks that are fantastic ball carriers. They're great running backs, both of them. Uh, you know, both of them are well liked by the fan base, both of them are well known by the fan base. I truly think that it depends on if one of them gets hurt. That's the one knock on this group and to be honest, it's the knock that has been on our back our, our offensive backfield for The last five years, it feels like, uh, we, I remember we talked about this and not to drag out the quarterback discussion or anything, but we talked about this last season. When was the last time that the guy that started the season for tech at quarterback played all 12 or all 12 games? I, I can't remember it. Patrick Mahomes, I think probably was the last one, which is crazy to think that Patrick Mahomes was the last quarterback to do that for tech. Um, but I, I think it boils down to the same thing at running back. Can these guys stay healthy? Uh, Taj Brooks has put on a good amount of weight. I saw him uh, in some of the videos and pictures from uh, reporting to camp, and tch, he looks like a Mack truck. Um, you know, Sir Roderick Thompson's up there too. I mean, it's just it just depends on if these guys can stay healthy. They're both great running backs. You would tend to think that Sir Roderick Thompson might get, you know, 60% of the carries. This is his senior year. Uh, Taj Brooks is only a junior. But while we discuss that and what happens with those two guys, I think what's even more intriguing are the two behind them. Uh, Cameron Valdez is a redshirt freshman who's – Kind of smaller dude, 5'9", about 200. And uh, he's quick and shifty, can move with the ball. And then someone who's also back there with him, kind of lurking in the back, is uh, Blake Bedwell, who transferred in from SMU. And he had a hell of a spring game. If you if you didn't watch the spring game, I'd encourage you to go back and watch that game and just watch him. As soon as he gets the ball, he has such a good feel uh, for where he is on the where he is on the field and uh, just his just his awareness his football iq is extremely high i think this may be the deepest running back room in the big 12. i don't think that our top two are better than b john robinson and roshan johnson i just don't um texas texas is always i mean as long as they're here they're gonna out recruit us and in, in terms of running backs and stuff i mean What's his name? Bijan Robinson's driving around a Lamborghini in the middle of Austin right now. You know, so uh, it is what it is when it comes to that. But I, I would put Sir Roderick Thompson and Taj Brooks up against any other running back duo in the Big Twelve. I really would. Uh, I just I don't think that there's a better one-two duo other than the two in Austin. Uh, they're I just can't say enough good things about them. And I really, truly think that if one of if worst case scenario, if one of those guys or both goes down, I will stick to my word in saying, I don't think that just call the season off. I think that the guys, that room is extremely deep. And uh, I think that we'll see a lot of good things from that group this year.
3: Yeah, I, I think Zach wrote an article Arguing for Taj Brooks to kind of take over a feature back role, which is fair. I think that to some degree, it does help schools like Texas and Kansas State to have a guy that teams are just terrified of seeing on the field. Um, Having two great running backs is not a bad problem, but it is something when you've got a B. John Robinson or Deuce Vaughn, or just them being on the field is such a mental wear on opposing defenses trying to account for them. But on the flip side of this, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we're going to run the ball enough for it to happen. Um, for one, I do think that ultimately Kitley elects to stick with his you know air raid philosophy regardless of what the offensive line is doing. I think that, you know, I, I w- I'm not saying I'm even going to blame him for it. You're, you're a young offensive coordinator. It's year one of a rebuild job. There isn't necessarily a ton of pressure to win right away here. So you're going to stick to installing your system. So I don't want to act like that's a bad thing. If he says, screw it, we're throwing the ball. That's what we're going to be here while I'm at Texas Tech. So I don't think we're going to run the ball enough to get, you know, a guy to have a thousand yards anyways. I think that those guys will split it evenly. You mentioned Cameron Valdez being another guy I think is going to be your change of pace because yeah, Taj Brooks has beefed up some. I think he's a lot more like Sir Roderick Thompson now, whereas before he was a little bit more uh, of a finesse runner. Um, and the other thing about that is it's good that Valdez can change pace because Xavier Wright and Townsend have now moved to receiver. Um, and both of those guys were kind of your different base backs, especially Xavier White. He really was like your jet sweep back, your your uh, outside zone back. And now you're, you're going to have to have guys who can, you know, give you a little bit of an extra speed option look, um, especially if you're going to run some sort of package with Smith. Valdez is a good complement. I think one thing I want to note, though, is whatever running back ultimately asserts himself is going to be the guy who can catch the ball better. Um, I think we, I mentioned this earlier, but you know, it is something to be said a lot of air raid, true air raid systems. The number one targets are not always the big receivers. It was the case at Western Kentucky that they had a guy catch a whole bunch of balls. But if you look at the Mike Leach game systems, it usually was the running backs who have lead the team in receptions. Um, and I think Kitley without miles price is a clear target, but he's not necessarily the you know, the, the biggest vertical threat. He's the kind of guy you get him the ball in space. So it's not like he's, he's going to be um, getting the ball every touch. I don't think he's like an, as a comma guy where you just manufacture jet sweeps for him just because he's so much better than everybody else. He'll get a lot of touches. Don't get me wrong, but I do think the running backs will get a lot of touches through the air. And I don't know which ones Roger Thompson Thompson, Taj Brooks is going to be the guy who catches the ball better. Other thing is going to be pass blocking. I, we, I mentioned my concerns, about the offensive line, who's better in pass protection. You know, who's going to be able to help clean up? Um, those are serious questions that we don't, you know, we don't know the answer to until we kind of see what this offense is going to look like against Murray State, who, well won't challenge tech, will give us a sense of who's going to do what, whose role is going to be what. Um, is, you know, is Taj Brooks going to be your one two back and then Thompson comes in for third down? Are they going to split that evenly? We're going to see Cameron Valdez as your third down back. You know, is he going to be the guy who asserts himself as a pass catcher? There are really interesting questions along that. Um, to move the show along, though, we do need to get to the receivers, which is, you know, the an extremely talented, but an ex- another uncertainty. I tend to think they're going to be okay. Just there's so much talent in this group, and Miles Price leading the way, but there are a lot of questions about the receiving core about who else is going to step up. Reid, I'll go to you first, then Kendall with the same question, which is who's the guy or you know, one or two guys besides miles price, who we all, you know, is kind of a known commodity who you think is going to really step up and have a real impact this year.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think miles price is, uh, is going to be your workhorse uh, in terms of uh, targets, receptions, yards, uh, potentially touchdowns. I'm not sure, but um, uh, I, I'm going to look at kind of two different positions. Really? Uh, obviously you lose Eric as a comma. a huge, you know, deep field threat, kind of a guy you can throw a ball to and you let him go get it, kind of kind of dude, and somebody that's just a really good athlete who is better than most people that were on the field playing against him. Um, I'm going to look at uh, JJ Sparkman. Obviously, he had a really good game against uh, Mississippi State at that big touchdown catch in the corner of the end zone. Uh, he's been on the f- been on the team for a couple of years now. He's had a lot of injury problems. Uh, I, th- I think if he stays healthy, he's going to be your, your best bet to kind of fill as calm shoes. Uh, you know, like in practice and stuff, I've seen highlights of him, you know, he's making a lot of good catches against one of some of our best, uh, DBs that we've got. So I'd like to think he'd kind of fill the shoes as, as much as possible. Obviously he's probably not going to be, uh, as productive as Eric was, but, um, I think he's, he's got the the prototype and the build to kind of fill that role and maybe even, uh, make a larger impact, you know, a year or two down the road. Uh, another area I was going to look at was tight end. Um, you know, we got a couple of really big dudes filling that spot. Uh, now with Koontz gone, who was more of a more of a run blocker than he was a pass catcher, kind of came on more towards the end of the year last year. But uh, not really known for his you know, his pass catching and getting in the end zone kind of a guy. But uh, you know, Mason Tharp and Cooper. I almost said Cooper Cup. Uh, Baylor Cup you got a couple of options that are um you know really big dudes that are have really good set of hands on them uh who are going to be able to get open for you down the field I'm hoping and kind of across the middle uh alongside Miles Price so I think you, you got a lot of options across the board obviously um another intriguing piece is the the transfer from Kansas I can't remember his name off the top of my head I think it might be Jordan Brown maybe um I think he's kind of intriguing too to kind of help change the pace with Miles Price as well. Uh, I think you just got a lot of kind of unproven guys in that in that room, which I think is is good. Uh, you know, they're probably hungry for some success, and now with some guys getting out of their way in terms of like comma and some some other older dudes that left, um, I think they kind of have their time to shine now, and hopefully they'll kind of fill the void that left last year and make some good plays for us.
3: Kendall, I'm going to ask the same question to you. Who's, and I'll I'll narrow it down a bit. Who's somebody that you think is going to have their big breakout year? You know, who's going to be the guy standing at the end with Miles Price, where you said, you know, when they covered up Miles, that's who was open?
2: Um, I'm going to go with uh, Jaron Bradley. Um, He's a redshirt freshman, but his size um, is going to be a really big advantage out wide Uh, 6'5, 225. I think that. Type of guy is all seems to always be the type of guy that succeeds at tech. And, um, you know, you brought up JJ Sparkman, they have very similar frames, but like you said, um, there's been some health issues with him during his tech career. And I think Bradley, um, you know, he hasn't gotten a ton of run, but I think his body he was very he wasn't like extremely highly touted coming out of high school but he's definitely a name that was talked about quite a bit in that recruiting class and I think that you know freshman in a new system I think that he's going to have a very good opportunity to kind of break out and uh you know possibly set his place in this program for the next couple years and I think that that's you know, uh, just a chance that he's going to jump on because, you know, you got, you have other guys that have similar size. We have a lot of size in our wide receiver. You got Trey Cleveland. Um, and one name that I also would look at is, uh, Brady Boyd. I also really like him. You know, he didn't get a lot of run at Minnesota, but, um, in high school, he was very, he's a very fast guy and he, uh, he was being looked at by Texas coming out of the transfer portal to, to, so, I think the talent is definitely there, but um, yeah, I would say Bradley's kind of my guy to keep an eye on though. I think once the season gets going, um, I think we're going to have probably multiple guys actually break out, but it's just kind of funny to me because if if you guys remember last year, you know, it seemed like probably week two or week three, um, me and Mike were really pushing on it a lot actually, you know, we, it seemed like we were constantly asking who was going to step up you know, at that receiver spot besides Eric Ezukama. And, you know, through the season, we started to get some answers, but I'm still pretty worried in general about the, uh, position until we do see a couple guys break out just cause last year, you know, when Ezuconma wasn't there making plays, um, it seemed like that group just really struggled. So, um, I think there's still a lot of questions to be answered, and that kind of that group is going to make or break our season this year on offense. So, you know, I'm really hoping we get multiple guys to break out. But um, I think Miles Price is going to be an absolute star in this offense, though. He, so um, I'm really looking forward to just seeing how that group pans out.
3: Yeah, I think we, we talked about this a lot last season. You can't just have one guy. You, you've got to have somebody to support him. I think Sparkman's a good option. I think Fungie's a good option. Speaking of Smith is the quarterback, by the way. Sparkman had a, a pretty big um, Liberty Bowl, as did Bradley. And both those guys, they seem to have a little bit of a connection with Smith. So it's going to be one of those things that also is helped by who is ultimately the quarterback. Who, do, who connects with who better? You know, Shuck everybody connected with Azakama, but Shuck may not necessarily be the kind of guy who really loves to go um, vertical down the field. He, he, he seems a little bit more hesitant, a little less aggressive, where Smith definitely seemed like more of a kind of guy, like, you know, fuck it and chuck it down there and just see what happens. So it is a question of... and if we go with Morton, who the hell knows what we're going to get, right? Like younger player could be a lot more aggressive, in which case guys who are better at, you know, jump balls, 50, 50 balls could be the kind of guys he vibes with more. So some of that is determined by who, wins the quarterback job. But it is critically important that at least one other receiver steps up so it isn't just teams bracketing Miles Price and leaving you know everybody else in single coverage. We need guys who can get the ball, make plays, help your quarterback out. Especially if the offensive line is struggling, you need multiple guys to get open. I hope the offensive line is great, but if they're struggling, you need guys to get separation in a hurry and you need quarterbacks who are confident that if okay if i'm in trouble and i hurl it this guy's way he's either going to knock it down or he's going to catch it it's not going to get picked if he's got a position to make a play um we're going to close out the show now with kind of an overall view which is let's just call what's us call it like it is how many points per game is this offense actually going to average what is your overall sense of the offense you can say you know points per game and a rating of how of you know the quality of offense um, however you want to handle, c- encapsulate your expectation. Um, just just a general sense of what the offense can do. Jack, I'll go to you first. W- what's your sense here? So,
1: I think that the offense is extremely underrated this year. And, you know, call it me drinking the Kool-Aid. Call it whatever you want. I think that this offensive line is probably the most experienced unexperienced line you'll ever see. You got a lot of transfers coming in, but uh, some of them are older. A lot of a lot of senior transfers coming in. It's their last time. Uh, you have Caleb Rogers, who we know. We have Weston Wright, who we know. Uh, both guys that are going to be in the running for center are seniors. Uh, w- one of the uh, left guard position is a guy that uh, Kitley brought with him from Western Kentucky, so he knows the system already. I think that the line... Will surprise some people hopefully i also think that one guy we kind of haven't talked about which if you want to talk about consistency in the tech offense for the past couple years how are we not talking about xavier white like he's been everything to this offense for a, for a good amount when those running backs last year were hurting or getting hurt and struggling with injuries xavier white you know, kind of held down that group for a while, even though that's really not his game. His game, I think, is way more better suited as a wide receiver. So I think you definitely do get Xavier White the ball in some sort of sweet plays like they did for Ezukama just to get him the ball. Uh, Xavier White is one of the most underrated players in the Big 12, and I would, that is a hill I'm willing to die on. But to answer the question, I do not see why this offense can't score five time, four, or five touchdowns a game. And I know that that's a lot. And granted, it's a lot in a first-year offensive coordinator for a team that is in the first year learning a system. But I also want to talk about the top two defenses from last season in the Big 12. Oklahoma State and Baylor. You know, not a coincidence that those were the two that ended up in the Big 12 championship, but also Oklahoma State's replacing their D coordinator. Baylor has had to replace half of their defense, if not more. I think it's I think it's closer to eight players that have never that didn't see any playing time because they had like eight eight seniors who were generational talents for Baylor. So I don't think it's just tech the offense, but I think it's a lot of uncertainty uh, throughout the big 12 on defense for the first time in a while. So I think that things are kind of going to be fluid to start out, but I also think that this offense, if they get the right person back there, which is obviously this is what camps for. If they get the right quarterback back there, then I really, I really am feeling good about the offense for the first time in, Honestly, quite some time. Uh, it would it would be for the first time in probably more than four years for me. So it's a cool thing to see such a deep room at wide receiver and running back at your skill players and your quarterback. So your skill players are so deep. The only problem is experience. So and injuries, I guess. So my things to look for on this offense. My first question. Who wins that quarterback battle, and do they stay healthy? Tech, Again, like I mentioned, Tech hasn't had a healthy quarterback play all 12 games in at least five years, or right at five years probably. Um, the line would be my next thing. I really think that this line can surprise people. Your running backs and your receivers are going to be solid. Will someone step up at wide receiver? I think you definitely have the tools to do it. It's just a matter of who wants to. Uh, but again, I I don't see why this offense can't score more than 35 points a game. Um, I, I think that they're a lot better than people are giving them credit for. And I'll leave it at that.
3: Reed, I'll go to you next. What What's your sense of this offense as a whole? What kind of points per game are we talking? How are they going to perform in year one?
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of different directions you can kind of take here, but... Um, you know, as a whole, I think you got two groups, uh, position groups that are very experienced uh, at tech, being, uh, you know, your quarterbacks and your running backs in your backfield. Uh, there's obviously some experience at receiver and line, but those are also two groups where you got more of the inexperienced um, uh, individuals, whether that's being at tech or just, uh, you know, not playing in collegiate football a whole lot uh, at the receiver position primarily um as a whole i I like the way this this offense looks if the offensive line can get figured out i'd feel a lot better uh moving forward there's just a couple of pieces i'm worried that um it's either going to be a revolving door or you know if we had an injury god forbid i i think that would hurt us too i think that's the one spot you really lack true depth at um on offense is it's a line so i think if you were to have an injury or or two you'd you know, you'd really be hurting in some certain areas and that could lead to some p- potential uh, bigger problems down the road for the season. <clears throat> so, you know, maintaining health is always a priority. Um, but outside of that, I'm I'm happy with the coaching staff we've got on offense this year. Um, obviously, I don't know a whole lot about Hamby at, on the line. I know he's a tech guy, but I don't know a lot about his coaching style or uh, a lot of coaching success. But I am glad we have Emma Jones back at receivers coach. Um, you know, he was here under cliff and I think he did a really good job. You know, we always had really good receivers um, while he was there. I always had guys making plays. So I'm hoping we'll have the, the same, you know, kind of progress and um, just numbers that they kind of put up uh, that they, they did a few years ago when he was here. <clears throat> um, you know, I, I, I do think kind of going back to the offensive line, uh, you need to play to their strength. I, I think this offense goes as far as the offensive line can kind of take you. Um, you know, if, if they're better at run blocking and, you know, they're running the ball really well, or that's just going to have to be the, the thing that we do, unfortunately, I think. Um, you know, I'm first one to tell you I'm wanting to do the air raid gun slinging thing, but if it's not going to work with the offensive line we got, then we don't need to do that because uh, we've got two really good running backs so we can, we can carry a long way too, and a couple behind them that can do the same thing for us, so. Um, I'm looking. I'm looking for a, a good year. Um, this is kind of the first year I've been excited about the offense uh, in a few years. I, I was. I liked what we had last year, but I think this year is kind of a bit more excitement with the new regime and uh, stuff underneath them. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think if I had to kind of grade, if I had to grade our offense right now, I'd kind of kind of be hoping for a B plus or so just all around. And like I said, a lot of what this offense can do is really going to maintain on on what the offensive line can and cannot handle. So.
3: Kendall to you next, same question. What's your sense? What kind of points per game? Is this going to be a return to, you know, kind of the cliff Kingsbury scoring, or are we going to see more of, you know, the David Yost era with a lot of good ideas and nothing real working?
2: I think we're going to get a nice, like, kind of middle between those two because I don't think it's going to be as aggressive of an air raid as uh, Cliff's air raid was. But I think that's more so because we do have a lot of talent in that backfield. And I think we continue, or we will continue to for the next, like, couple of years as long as you know Todd Brooks is a junior. But I think Valdez is also gonna bring um, you know, I I think a year or two under, you know, Thompson and Brooks is gonna be really, really good for him because those are two extremely talented backs that knows how to succeed in the Big 12. But the one thing that does worry me this year is they we're facing a lot of really, really elite defenses. And I think early on, especially in two of our non-conference games. You know, NC State has a top 10 defense in the nation. And um, Houston also has a very, very elite defense. You know, they, they really made a lot of teams they played against struggle last year. You know, they were holding Miami pretty well until this, or not Miami, Cincinnati, until the second half of the American Championship last year. Um, you know, they made Auburn look silly at times in their bowl game. Uh, I think also you have to wrap into that. Uh, you know, the defenses in the Big 12. You have Brett, uh, Brett Venables-led defense now. That's never going to be easy. Oklahoma State's going to be packing a great defense. And I think Iowa State's going to be having a very, very good defense again this year too. So I think this offense is going to be a lot more talented than people give it credit for. But there are going to be a lot of roadblocks that we run into. And I think that's more just due to the schedule. Than the actual talent that we do have But You know I'm going to stay like very Optimistic because Zach Kitley has been very successful At all his stops as an offensive coordinator um, Joey Maguire Has been around And you know Responsible honestly for a lot Of winning environments Both at the high school level And at the college level um, So I think It's very right to expect, you know, a really good offense, and you know to to drink that Kool Aid because you know, there these coaches haven't given us a reason not to yet. Like you know, they've been very confident. You know, Joey McGuire is going out there saying you know they they want to compete right off the bat, and I definitely believe they can. So you know, I think a good expectation is right around you know that thirty to thirty five point per game mark but I wouldn't be shocked if it's more, but I also wouldn't be shocked if it's a little less than that, just because, you know, the the schedule is going to be tough. But, you know, I think this offense is definitely going to have its moments where it's really effing good, and there could be some rough patches. So uh, I say don't necessarily expect to be right back to those, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, Mike Leach type offenses right off the bat because that's just not going to happen right away. But also, I think that this offense has all the potential in the world to get us back to, you know, what we expect out of a Texas Tech offense.
3: Yeah, I kind of agree with that kind of idea of why wouldn't we assume that this offense is going to be good? You know, I think Kitley has a short coaching history, but he has a very successful one. They've been good. He's been good wherever he's been tech saw what houston baptist could do western kentucky was phenomenal offensively um there are questions on this team primarily in the offensive line department but i I lean to one thing you have to trust a good offensive coordinator you have to trust the the skill position talent and you just have to trust at the end of the day that um as long as you're aggressive, as long as you're decisive, as long as you're playing to win the game, which it felt way too often David Yost wasn't doing, and to be honest, it felt occasionally like even Sonny Cumbie wasn't really doing. They got too paralyzed by analysis. As long as you're playing to win the game and really attacking, I think things will go well. I don't want to disrespect Cumbie. I thought he did a pretty serviceable job considering the hand he was dealt, but I think that if Kitley comes out with the mindset of what Cliff did in his early days at TAC, you know, the when kingsbury's offenses were most successful was this idea was when he had the idea of you know uh, fortune favors the bold where he just went balls to the wall every snap and he took what was there and he moved the ball up and down the field with ease and you just don't overthink things you just play loose and let your guys play loose and kind of feed let them feed off that mentality um i think they're going to score printing points i think you'll be a 30 plus point offense um We're going to talk about the defense, about whether or not we think that's enough to win many games. It is a tough schedule. There are still very good defenses in the Big 12. Baylor will be good defensively. Oklahoma State, Kansas State looks to be good defensively. Um, um, Oklahoma under Brett Venables looks to kind of redefine their identity as more of a defensive team. You know, West Virginia could take a step. I mean, there's a lot of question marks in the Big 12 as a whole this year. There's a lot of room. The conference is as good and deep as it's been in years. So it's tough. And you got NC State and Houston, both of whom are going to be pretty good defensively. Itzy state in particular could be a top flight defensive team but i think ultimately shuck wins the job i think ultimately kitley works with what the offense flying can do i think ultimately the receiving core asserts itself and reed mentioned the tight ends i think those guys step up in key moments i think both baylor and mason are going to be guys who can really you know not necessarily be the next jay samaro yet but can be guys more like the tight ends of old and what Tech's kind of had lately, which is, you know, Koontz was good, but very rarely featured in the offense. Um, when he was, it was to great effect. So maybe they should have used him more. But point being, we can, we, there's so many guys, so many playmakers. I think this offense can be great. I, personally, I'm not as worried even about the quarterback. I'm worried about the offensive line. That's my circle, you know, arrows pointed to big highlight with question marks next to it. If that group pans out in pass protection as even just being serviceable, you will be very, very good offensively. And I think you could be in for a hell of a year because I think you're going to need your offense to really set the tone for this team. I think the defense will be good, and we'll talk about them later. But the offense is what's going to be the heart and soul of Texas Tech football. It is what Tech fans expect. They expect high-scoring, fun football. And if you don't get it, there could be problems. So I'm that. The, my sense, though, is I'm going to be optimistic. I think you're going to come in and you're going to shock the world and get you know, a couple of wins you're not supposed to, and it's going to be on the back of some great plays made by your playmakers. And we're just going to have to, you know, hope that's enough. Um, Hope that what you get in year one with a kind of a piecemeal roster that isn't Kitley's yet is enough to execute this scheme. That's going to be our show tonight. Like I said, next week will be the defense. We're going to go just as in-depth, talking about the different position groups, setting the table for the week after that when we'll start previewing key matchups and opponents down the line. Um, no offense to like the one Murray State fan that may exist in the world. We will not be previewing them. I, I can't be bothered to preview a team that Tech should beat by 40 um, and if they don't, I'll just be depressed. So that that's that's how that goes. Um, that, that's my mindset for these kind of games. But we will be previewing teams like NC State, Houston, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, you know, these big, big-time matchups, Baylor, uh, Kansas State. Um, we will be touching on the other Big 12 opponents down the line. So hopefully you guys enjoyed ha- – you know, the length of this episode for a preview. Hopefully you guys will stay tuned next week for the, the defensive episode to drop. Stay tuned for, you know, a lot of football content coming down the pipe for the Viva the Matadors. We're going to be attempting a kind of a few different things this season in terms of how we're live tweeting and post game reacting to the season, you know, a few new things, a few old ideas, just to kind of boost content and really drive engagement with you guys. As always, you know, like, subscribe, whatever on whatever podcast platform we're now on every major podcast platform. You're also welcome just to click on the link in the article and listen to the episodes there if that's that's your uh, fancy. Just be sure to follow the Twitter page at Hub City at Homer's Hub. Um, follow Leave of the Matadors if you don't currently, though I don't know why you'd be seeing this if you didn't. And as always, my name is Michael. I'm here with Jack, Kendall, and read. The full team's back and ready for football season to get going. Wreck them and enjoy the rest of your day or evening when you listen to this.